0: Father, this morning we come to you once again for the hearing of your word. Two thousand years ago, your servant Peter said, where can we go? Because you alone have the words of life. We come to you, Lord, for life. More of your life. Our life does not have the power to overcome. Only your life. And we want that life, Lord. So speak to us this morning. Transform us continuously, Spirit of God, from within to without. Touch our ears, touch our hearts, touch our minds that we understand what we hear. And we retain what we understand. And we persevere in what we retain. Because you said, if you endure till the end, you will be saved. Help us Lord to endure. Speak Father to us once again. For in Jesus name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We turn to Genesis chapter 18 and we'll read from 16 to 23. Like we've been hearing over and over, I believe the church, I hope you are prepared because for years and years and years we've been preparing constantly through the pulpit people to be prepared. You you have to be prepared for the worst case scenario, not the best case scenario, the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that we don't see the end of the day. That's the worst case scenario if you're prepared for that you're prepared for anything like statistics wise you know you have signed this with all kinds of modules and they will pick it up and they will work it out this is australian scientist who has good scientific models they have used and said by the time this best case scenario this virus goes around the world and finishes uh, maybe a year two years by the time it peters out 16 million people would have died and 2.8 trillion is the loss for the world economy best case scenario worst case scenario he says eight trillion trillion we can't even add zeros to it okay trillion dollars of world economy and 68 million would die and it's actually true it just goes around and goes around by the time panic is all over people are still dying Still dying, and dying, and dying, and dying, and dying, and dying, and dying. Okay. But we never prepare for a virus. We prepare for life. Okay. At the end of life, this life which we all enjoy, there is a definite end to that life. Absolute, definite, certain end. It's an appointed unto man to die once. And it is such. Then, this is Abraham, okay? Before that, what happens? Abraham is 99. God visits Abraham's tent, has a good meal, okay? Feeds him a good meal. It was beef, by the way. Good meal. He had a good meal. And uh, now he's leaving. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great nation and a mighty nation, all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Okay. We go to verse 16. Okay. So the fellowship meal is over. Okay. God comes down, two angels, and I believe, and all theologians practically agree, this is the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in human form. Okay. Two angels and Jesus. The so fellowship meal is over. The first part of the visit is accomplished. You're going to have a child. You shall name him. All the promises are given. Okay. God is satisfied. Abraham and Sarah are satisfied. Promises have been received. And now they are leaving. Small details. Small details are important. Okay. When you read scripture, first of course read your Bible through the year. But then after that, use that microscope. If there were no microscope, you wouldn't know there was a coronavirus. So in the same way, if you use God's spirit to read scripture carefully, you will see little things. Then the men arose from there and they looked toward Sodom. They arose and they looked in one particular direction. Okay, They are in Mamre and they are looking towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way. Little details. Okay, Sometimes when a man of God comes to your house, it's good to go with him and see him off because you do not know what you will hear on the way. You will not know what you will hear on the way. It's important. It's important. It happens to me almost every visit after the first time. First time it's different. After that they are fighting to take me back. I wanna come with you. I wanna drop you. And on the way there are questions asked and answers given. Questions asked and answers given. This, 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 this okay. Say have walked with God. Look at Acts chapter 21. Okay, Paul is leaving. I don't think Paul ever came back to Ephesus. Back. When we had come to the end of those days, Acts 21, 5, okay? We departed and went on our way. We departed and went on our way. And the whole church came. To see him off. The whole church came. One of the times many years ago when it was very dangerous and very difficult in that country when Christianity was banned and meetings were not allowed and preachers were not allowed and I had gone in and preached and when I finished all my meetings and I was leaving by bus, when I reached the bus station in the morning, the whole church had come practically. You know how it helped me? When the whole church came over, the driver, whom I did not know, who didn't know me, came and said, why are you all here? Because he was a believer. And they said, Pastor Babu is here. Oh, he said, your pastor, Jai Masi, Jai Masi, Jai Masi. And then he said, sir, 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 please give me your bag. He took my suitcase, and you know in buses you have a separate locker for the driver's kit. He took my box, and he put it in the kit. Everybody said bye, hugged, everything, left. First check post, cops came in. Open the bags. Open the bags. Open the bags. Open the bags. bags, Checking. Except mine. You know why? Because it was in the driver's kit. You know why it was in the driver's kit? Because everybody came to see me off. Scripture lives over and over in the lives of people for 2,000 years. All came accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. The city is not very friendly. city is hostile. Outside. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. They would never see Paul again. But they would remember his last prayer for them. They would remember. You know why? Because they went to see him off. That's why the Bible is a living book and all those little, little details really open up and you see God living over and over and over and over in time through the lives of His people. <clears throat> what if Abraham had just stood at the doorway of his tent and said, bye. Book of Genesis would have been probably written differently. Verse 17. Let's go back. Did I give you verse 17? This is Christ speaking. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham? Because he walked. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? See, there's a difference between what God has done and what God is doing. See, we all know what God has done. It is here. But you and I want to know what he's doing. The question is, are we willing to walk the extra mile with God so that he can tell us what he's doing? Or are we just satisfied with soulish knowledge? Intellectual understanding of the word of God. We don't want to put that extra effect, effort, extra sweat to walk with God. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? This is Jesus in temporal form speaking. Not to Abraham. He's speaking to his father. See, the Trinity always has communication going on. There is no problem with communication in the Trinity because they are one. There is no disagreement among them, so there is always communication in the Trinity. And if you look, when Jesus was on earth too, he had a habit of talking loudly to himself. So that others would hear. I'll give you. John. Yeah. John chapter 11. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now he's saying it loudly. Dad, thank you for hearing me. Thank you, Lord. I know you always hear me, but I'm not telling it to you. I'm telling it to them so they will know that you sent me. Again, Jesus is saying, Shall I keep from Abraham? There are counsels that God hides from man. There are counsels that He reveals. The secret things belong to God. Much of what we need to know is already revealed. It's there. That's why the Bible ends with the book of Revelation. Now, much of what we need is a revelation of revelation. (laughs) How to read it right, O oh Lord. Like I said, the whole Bible is a parable with parables within. What is interesting in Genesis 18 is, we all know because we know scripture what is going to happen. What he is going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. He is going to judge. But a little before is redemption, Isaac is going to be born. The promised seed is going to come. So redemption and judgment goes together. You know that if there is no judgment, you don't need redemption. In one chapter, first half, the birth of Isaac prophesied, very clearly told, second half is localized destruction of the cities of the plains. Judgment. Now the question is, is coronavirus a judgment? Answer? We do not know definitely. We can assume, press you, read the signs. Why? Because we don't have 100% divine revelation. To make, help us make judgments like that. But Sodom and Gomorrah? Definitely yes. Because he said so. Noah's fled? Definitely yes, Because he said so. The 10 plagues over Israel, definitely. The Babylonian captivity, yes. The last day's judgment, yes. So only confusion is when these things happen, is it part of what has been prophesied. So the plague the world is experiencing, what is it? Well, we can tell you definitely what it is. Matthew 24, Matthew 24, verse 7. And eight. Jesus said, "Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom." Actually, it means ethnos, which means communities. So, what we saw two weeks back in Delhi was two communities fighting within a nation. And there is this incredible divide going on around the world within communities. And then there will be famines. Pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. What are these? These are the beginnings of other translations. Labor pains. This is the beginning of signs. Sorrows. Signs. So is it a sign? Definitely it is a sign. Because in recent history, we haven't faced a pestilence like this. We haven't faced that has caused so much scare. So it is a sign. Because you see, we want to think God is detached from us, but he is not. He is intimately involved in the affairs of men. And if you want to know how intimately he intimately involved, you just have to look at the cross. The cross is the ultimate symbol, sign of God's intense and intimate involvement in the redemption of mankind. So in verse 20, if you go back to Genesis 18, and the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave. And he gives a reason. There is an outcry. We never know the outcry that goes to God. We only hear each other's complaints. God hears the cry of his people in China. Millions upon millions. upon millions Tortured. Labor camps. Organs are harvested. Taken out from living healthy people. Just taken out and transplanted into rich people who have money to pay. The kind of brutality that is going on. Iran, another nation. You look, look at the epicenters of where it is hitting. Italy, the, the, the city of seven hills, which is the height of apostasy. So is there a cry that is going out? We do not know of. We don't know. Cry was going on. Who cried? We don't know. But God says the outcry. Maybe sin itself has a voice. And all of creation scripture says is waiting and crying out for the redemption. So maybe the rocks are crying out, the plants are crying out, said, Lord, you made us. Though you did not make us in your image, you made us and we are getting contaminated by the sin of those whom in image you made. We don't know who cried out. He said the outcry came to him. I will go down and see whether they have done all together. According to the outcry against it that has come to me. If not, I will now. The question is, why should God personally come? So that no man will stand before God and one day say, you were not fair. God said, I was fair. I was there. I was there. I was there. Look at Genesis chapter 11 and verse 5. After the first judgment of Noah, when it's over, new world has started three generations, two generations later, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. He came down. He came down. God understands. God sees. God comes down. God visits. That's why we looked at last Sunday pleasing God. Everything at the center is there. It's a God who walks in the midst of men and men don't have any clue. You know when Israel was given all these laws about cleanliness and holiness and everything. Finally at the end of it God says the reason I will I will come and walk in your midst. I will dwell among you. That's the reason. It is not perceiving holiness for holiness sake. Nobody will finish it. Holiness for God's sake is a different thing. He came. Ultimately he came and dwelt among us. So he understands us. So the book of Hebrews will say we do not have a high priest. We do have a high priest who sympathizes with us. Because he was tempted at all points and yet did not sin. So he knows us. So anybody who says when you are in trouble, God does not understand. God says, I do. I do. Let's go back to Genesis 18, 22, 23. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. The two men, the two angels went towards Sodom. But Abraham... Still stood before the Lord. Abraham didn't go with them. Abraham stood before God. Read carefully. And Abraham came near. This is true prayer. It's not standing still. It's drawing near. Three people are there. Two of them went. He stood still and his eyes are not those on those who went. His eyes is on the one who stayed back. And scripture says, he went near. The apostle James will say, draw near to God. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus took his disciples. They were into groups. He took Peter, James and John even further and he said, tarry and pray. And then scripture says, he went further because he was drawing nearer to his God. Understand what prayer is. Understand what intercession is. He stood. He didn't look at the two who were going. He was looking at the one who was standing. And he went near. And then, he begins his intercession. God has already told him. But now he begins his intercession. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? You can never intercede with God without balancing justice and mercy. Cannot. Be very careful. There is a distinction between justice, righteousness and unrighteousness. That's why the first step of understanding God's will is good right good why because we ate of that tree adam did we all did we all have this blurred idea of what is good and evil earlier only god could tell you what is good and what is evil now man decides what is good and what is evil jesus says the day will come when man will call evil good and good evil You cannot intercede, you cannot pray, you cannot draw near God, really, as a believer, without having a basic idea of what is good and evil. In Romans 12 and verse 2, Scripture says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve the will of God. That is His good. Good. First is good. Let's go to policing. Pleasing we saw last time. First is good. Abraham came near. That's intercession. That's intercession. My wife has this habit of suddenly I'm reading something else or news or something. Suddenly she will say, pray. And I said, I can't. I can't. Even last night, she said, pray. My knee is hurting. I said, okay, your knee is hurting, I will pray. I said, I can't, because my mind is elsewhere. You cannot pray to God suddenly without drawing near to him. You can, because you are always praying. That's why even... On a Sunday, before we call you to pray, we give you a little time ahead and call you and say, so that you prepare personally. It doesn't matter how much you may or may not have prepared. We give you five minutes to draw near to God before you can intercede. But you cannot intercede without having a rough idea of the righteousness of God. Otherwise some of our prayer requests may be absolutely unrighteous in God's ears. And you cannot intercede or really pray. Intercede or really pray unless you have a picture of the judgment of God. You cannot really pray. Jesus, teach us to pray. They said, Ajayaga mantra. With that mantra, we can work like Him. This is how we need to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom. What is that? Judgment. When the kingdom of God comes, we are finished. You are done or undone. That's how you pray. Every prayer is connected to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Judgment of God. We don't really, really know how to draw near to God unless we have a concept of righteousness and a concept of judgment. That's why the last book in the Bible is the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the revelation of the judgments of God. You know, there are 22 chapters in the Book of Revelation. From chapter 2 to chapter 20 is judgments. Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Because the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. Judgments are over. 20 out of 22 chapters. Or 19 out of 23 chapters. is about judgment. Think about it. Right? Why? Because it's a season of Lent. If you keep it, if you don't keep it, whichever way. It's Lent season. Whole world, Christian world, large chunk keeps 40 days of preparation. Preparation for what? Judgment. Giving you 40 days to examine yourself. The church, men, old days, church made this rule. 40 days, examine yourself. Reflect and prepare. Because all of life is a preparation for one day. It's called the day of judgment. Look, all, all the kids in school, put your hands up, all who are in school. Yes, Abigail, you're in school. Okay, so nicely, only half. About half in school, half outside. Do you know you study in school for 10 years for one day? That's the day when the board exam results will be declared. That 10 years labor is on one day. When the result come, everybody is checking, checking, Lord, mercy, mercy. 10 years for one day. And the one day will decide where you are going. One day, 10 years. How much more? That day of the Lord. And there's a day coming, a day of judgment coming. And there's only one place. Safe. That is the place of Righteousness. And there is only one place safe that is in Christ. For there is a righteousness that comes from God that is apart from the works of the law that is in faith in Christ Jesus, Jesus alone. There is only one safe place. One safe place from coronavirus. Any virus, any disease, accident, Calamity, earthquakes, famine, pestilence, war, you name it. Only one place safe. That place is called in Christ. And you read the Bible, everything in the New Testament is promised or spoken to people who are in Christ. In Christ. Only one safe place. And the church was supposed to be a visible manifestation of an escaped people. A people who have escaped the fury and the wrath of God by faith in Christ and Christ alone. That's why we announced about baptism. And what is baptism? I'm gone and I'm come. I have died and have risen in Christ and hidden in Christ. Lord, the old man has been judged. please understand that. This is what God actually prepares his people for. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he shall convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Sin, righteousness and judgment. Judgment, because we don't That's the Holy Spirit's work. And the writer of Hebrews talks about elementary, primary class teaching for believers. Repentance from dead works. Faith towards God. Doctrine of baptisms. Laying of hands. Resurrection of the dead. And sixth one judgment. 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 Imagine going to school without exams. Who will study? Don't have to study. No homework. Just sit and listen. You know what? School is not church. Well, church should be like school. Listen to what Abraham asked God in 1823. Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with thee? Read carefully. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Killing and destruction is something else. Destruction means you are finished. You were not given time to repent. You died in your sins. Enemy just doesn't come to kill. He comes to destroy. And that's what Abraham is asking. Lord, will you destroy? Will you destroy? Will you destroy? You see, you and I can be killed. We cannot be destroyed in Christ. That's why Paul says, struck down, but not destroyed. Not destroyed. Indestructible. Why? Because we are hidden in Christ. Abel was killed, but he still speaks. Cain was destroyed therefore he doesn't speak to any man Cain's generation was destroyed none from the generation speaks to humanity anymore Abel still speaks because he was only killed and not destroyed and political leaders die and the dead bodies are taken the crowd behind will say jab tak suraj aur chand rahega nothing rahega. Gone. One statue is there. And when the statue was put up there. Hand was. In the night crooks come and break different fingers. So now different fingers is pointing up. You look at the statues in the city. This is the person who caused terror in the lives of people. You know how Saddam Hussein's statue was brought down. And the people were celebrating. Because... If you don't have Christ, you don't die. You are destroyed. That's what I said, no? Perspective changes. Unless you see death and judgment, we will not really value the work of Jesus Christ. Many struggle with the church all over the world, even here, especially the young ones, struggle with the church. When will it finish? When will it finish? like children on a trip? When will we reach? When will we reach? When we will reach Here? This thing is going. When will he finish? When will he finish? When will' finish? Let me tell you about those eight people caught in the ark. Noah and his family. They were in the ark for a long time, not with humanity. With animals. I'm telling you. It was stinking inside. Sometimes the church stings. But I will tell you. The sting inside. Was better than the storm outside. Nobody tried to jump out of the window or the door. Because you knew outside was death. The stink inside was suddenly better. And they made it through the storm in spite of the stink. It must have been claustrophobic. You know what claustrophobic is? Small spaces, dark spaces, you know. I got a medical scare. So I was asked to do all the tests. So here I was going and for the first time doing tests ultrasound, MRI. And I've never done MRI and all these things in my life. And I looked at the MRI machine. You have to go into a machine. And I'm very claustrophobic. I hate small spaces. Okay. And I'm looking. Two weeks back, I was there with Betsy. And Betsy was going into that machine for radiation. Last night, she went to the machine and they asked us to leave. And now here, two weeks later, I am going into a machine so i asked that guy no <laughs> hai na, hai sakte hai na? sir kuch problem hai. To hoga. don't worry in your case it's abdomen this thing we are doing so your head will be outside i got into the machine the machine went inside it was okay it was cool okay. and then i realized i should have taken my book i could have actually read in the machine okay. but you don't like closed spaces You know what CIA CIA used to do and I believe they still do to get the information out of these terrorists who are caught. It is called waterboarding. Waterboarding is when they put that plastic cover over you and keep it until you're almost dead. Then they will take it out. One second before so that you will tell the secrets. I will not tell, I will not tell the names. But once you have almost reached the last second before your death, two times you will tell every secret. Was claustrophobic in the ark, but outside was destruction. Let me tell you: if you feel claustrophobic in the church, the world—it's only destruction. The Bible says one day the world will be burned away; nothing will be left. And the Bible is a book of warnings, and every judgment. It's a signpost or a sign of the big one that is coming. Big one that is coming. And Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says, By faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. See, he was warned of a judgment nobody had seen. Nobody had ever known about a flood. Nobody knew. He was warned about judgment. With godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. We don't even realize Noah is building something. The very work which God told him to build is a work of judgment. And the work he's doing is suddenly dividing the whole world into two groups, the righteous and the unrighteous. The work is doing it. And finally when the work is finished, Eight are declared righteous, the rest are declared unrighteous. God saying, does the work that we do declare the righteousness and the judgment of God? Because scripture says, when we go out to one set of people, we are the aroma of death. That's why they hate us. To the other, we are the sweet fragrance of life, those who are being saved. Let me ask you, do you get angry with believers around? Do you get upset with believers more than unbelievers? Watch out. It happened from the beginning. He did not see. Revelation 2 to 20 are warnings of things still unseen. You're only seeing little bits. You see, people hate preachers who want them. They want lovey dovey religion that says Jesus loves me this I know, which is true. Tell that to your grandchildren. For the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Bible tells you that truth, but the Bible also tells you many other things. Jesus judges this I know. Have you, anybody sung that song? For the Bible tells me so. Oh yes, Jesus judges. Did you know that? So the fact that there's even a book of judges in the Bible. Oh, get the full picture. Yet people do not even have the discernment to distinguish between good and evil. That is the first step. What is righteous and what is? unrighteous what is righteous and unrighteous you see what we are as believers and what unbelievers are completely different god does not look at believers and unbelievers differently unbelievers make judgments according to the flesh intellect everything we don't believers always have to make their judgment based on eternity and god Not on temporal things. Let me give an example. 2020 is a very important year. All these things are happening because of 2020. Because in November there is an election. The election will decide in so many ways the future of the world. Because India doesn't decide the future. Nor does China. America does. Because America is the foremost Christian nation in the world. The only nation which wears its religion on its sleeve. One dollar not. In God we trust. They proclaim. Everyone will say, "God bless America." Okay, so there's an election coming. The question, the problem is, America says it is a Christian nation. Majority of the people claim they are believers. Not even Christians, believers, born-again believers. But tell them, how do you vote? How do you vote? It's not like us. Here, my vote, your vote makes no difference. We are swarmed by a majority, so our votes not matter. There it matters. And every member of the Congress will come to his local town, to his town hall, and the opposition, they will ask them questions. You know what the questions people are most worried about? First, health care. What are Christians worried about? Health care. That's why there is a health scare now. You, my people, are worried about health care, so I will give you health care. Because you didn't trust me. Second, what they are worried about? Illegal Immigration. These are all real issues of life. But do you think that's up there in God's list? As a believer, the first question I should ask if I am, if Peter and uh, um, Dr. Richard is sitting over here and I am represent, want to fight for the Congress, the first question Peter will ask is, sir, one question, Republican or Democrat, irrelevant. Sir, I have a question to ask. What is your question? What is your stance about abortion? Why? Because my God is the author of life. I want to know your view. But the first question you should ask. Let's start with life. Will we ask? That's the question. You know how they all, whether it is a Republican or Democrat, that's the wishy-washy wants to so know, how they... No, I believe in the right of the woman. That's a wishy-washy answer. That's not the question I asked, sir. Can you tell me about abortion? So there are two people involved here, right? The right of the woman and the right of the baby. Whose right do you want to protect? The right of the woman is only for nine months, right? The right of the baby is for all its life. You know what happens in the U.S., whether you are Republican or Democrat? The people who vote without asking these questions or vote in spite of knowing their answers, their hands are covered with blood, the blood of innocent children. 40, 50 million. 50 million babies about it. Therefore, it matters who you vote for there. And this is the question you need to ask. Because the babies don't have any right. Right? They don't have any right. What you see after every election is a bloodbath. Because the party is going more and more and more radical. First it was abortion. Then limit to abortion this many weeks. Now states are passing where even after the baby is born alive. The mother can choose to kill the baby. I, that is homicide. And you know what? The, the people, people who vote for them say they are Christians. And what is top on your agenda? Health care. You kill a baby and you are worried about your sickness. And you think
1: the cry
0: of these innocent ones are not going up to God? And you know what the Christians believing ones say? Oh it doesn't matter the baby is aborted. After all the baby goes to God. Oh really? Jyoti are you saved? Can I kill you? You'll go to God anyway. Why study? What an answer. What an answer. These are talking about believers. So called spirit filled believers answers. Some of these people when they make it to heaven, they will see the baby's day about it, telling them, you know what, you didn't allow me to live. I also had a dream and a vision given by God to grow up and fulfill his purpose. You know what, you killed me, but you didn't just kill me, you robbed my crown. I was not given a chance to serve my savior. see, we don't realize all of us nations and as individuals are living on borrowed time. No one knows the day or the hour. Day or the hour. Because we are moving from darkness to even more darkness and darkness further and further away. It was abortion first. Because we all saw this in the universities we studied. Department of Cultural Studies. What do they study there? Feminism. And homosexual theories. So first this was about sexuality. Now it is different. Department of Gender Studies. Now it's not gone beyond homosexuality, it's about transgender. You're switching genders left and right. Morning you wake up as a man, evening you are a woman. You know, you have to read Romans chapter 1 to understand when you do not retain the knowledge of God, God gives you over. That itself is judgment. That itself is a judgment. Self is judgment. So when we read the Bible and when we pray, Understand the righteousness of God. In your prayer life, don't make a righteous God unrighteous by your words. Will a righteous God destroy the righteous with the wicked? God said, no. No. I won't destroy. I will kill. I will kill, but I won't destroy. As God says it's about judgment when I draw my sword from my sheath, I don't put it back the righteous and the wicked will die together but they won't be destroyed it's a different thing See, so we have to see the big picture and there's a smaller picture the big picture is Jacob and his family when 72 people or something went into Egypt that was God's purpose to go in famine was the actual visible reason But God had other reasons, took them here, lived under Joseph, prospered until they became a very large protected nation. Then became slaves. And then he brought them out. But for hundred years they were slaves. So you see one large circle, famine, second, going into Egypt, third, prospering into Egypt, fourth, a pharaoh who did not know Joseph coming enslaved, and at the end of 400 years, them coming out. Lord, what are you doing? God had told it to their grandfather. In a dream, in a vision, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 15, this is what he tells. He said to Abraham, no, certainly your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. Said it all. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Don't worry. They will afflict them, and Egypt I will judge. Whom they, and they shall come out with great possessions. Then, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried at a good age. But... When will you come out? Why is this time set for 100 years, for generations? You have to wait. Why have I said 400 generations, 400? Why is Israel suffering in Egypt for 400 years? Because something is happening in the land they are supposed to go. What is it? In the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God says it will take 400 years for the sin of Canaan to be full. When it is full, I will judge them and finish them off. The clock is ticking for everyone and every nation. No one knows when your cup is full. No one knows. That's why scripture says... Today is the day of salvation. Never promises you tomorrow. Today. It's ticking. No, this is God speaking. Tipping point. In human terms, yes. It's raining up there in the highlands. And the reservoir is getting full, 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 full. And there is this mark. And second mark. And third up there is that red level. When the red level goes, the siren starts blowing. Why? The sluice gates are going to be opened. And the government starts sending news down the sides. What happens? Move out, move out, move out, move out. Because judgment is coming. But when God judges, sometimes there's no warning. There's no warning at all. It is only the mercy and the patience of God. Mercy and patience of God. 400 years he gave them. So if you die young, doesn't matter as long as you die right. You live long, don't be proud. Maybe he's giving you a long time. Because he merciful god that's why the longest living human being is called methuselah because he was enoch's son and enoch was told when this boy dies the flood will come so god extended 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 as much as he could it's 969 years because of mercy giving the world time like in noah's days everybody is seen noah is seen Family is in, animals in, and scripture says in Genesis chapter 7 verse 10, and it came to pass after, still seven days God waited. Anybody come in? Let them not say I was unfair. Let them not say I was unmerciful. Let them not say I was not patient. Still seven days. They saw this being built. They saw the animals coming. They saw the animals getting in. They saw Noah and family getting The preaching has stopped. Maybe when they were preaching, they were not willing to get in. Now that the preaching has stopped, maybe they will get in. Nobody got in. Nobody got in. Did anybody repent and get in? No. 400 years for the canonized. 400 years. But you know they were lucky. Because of the unbelief of the first generation, they got 40 extra years. 400 plus, another 40 years. In that 40 years, God did great things, including destroying Egypt and Shihon and all that. You know what in Joshua chapter 2, scripture says, And before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of you has fallen on us. And all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. What you did to the two kings of Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you for the Lord your God, his God in heaven above and God on earth below. Yeah, beneath. And now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from. Death. One household got saved in Canaan. One household. In that 40 years. All the others were afraid. They saw the signs and they hardened their hearts. My, My issue with the coronavirus is this, because I have seen plagues in the past in scripture. Every time a plague came, Pharaoh said, please, 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 pray to your God, take it away. I will let your people go. Plague was remote, he hardened his heart. My question to you is, every calamity you face, does it make your heart tender or more hard? Every message you hear, is your heart getting more tender or harder? Because it was Moses who was preaching to Pharaoh, and the heart was getting harder, while the magicians and the astrologers are saying, please, my Lord, let them go. This is the finger of God. So a question? We have to ask. Because we need to ask these questions. Coronavirus will come and go. But the day of judgment will not go. away. It only gets closer. The virus is not the problem. Our hearts are the problem. Do you still think God is unjust? Have you been extended mercy? Been extended mercy? How do you know? I was telling the young man who came yesterday. Look at Genesis chapter eight. Noah has come out of the ark. He came out of the ark, and Noah went out, and his sons, and his wives, and his sons' wives with him. Okay, let me let me use my memory. He got into the ark. If I'm right, on the 17th day of the first or second month, second month of his 600th year, and he came out on his 601st year, second month, 27th day. So technically he was in the ark for one year, 10 days. Claustrophobic. If I had been in the ark, that window, my head would have been out of that window for that one year. When my wife puts on the AC, I get claustrophobic Because the windows are shut. One year, ten days. And he came out. His sons and his wives, every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Look at it. And Noah built a house. Looked for a job. Look for something to eat. No. What's written? When mercy has been extended to you, what's the first thing that you do? What's the first thing that you did today morning? What's the first thing that you did? It says he built an altar. Probably it was his great-grandson Nimrod will build a tower. Great-grandfather built an altar. You know why the word has no effect in our lives? Because we do not have altars. We do not have consistent altars in our life. Because he understood mercy. Noah knew he was saved by the mercy and grace of God and not by his good works. The problem is if you sit in the ark and look out and look at all the people dying. Oh, you were all bad. That is why you died. You see, I'm good. That's why I'm inside. No, I received mercy. I received mercy. That's why I'm alive. The first thing that I'm going to do when my eyes open is, Lord, thank you for one more day. Because if I had died last night, I probably wouldn't have been ready for judgment. How can you say so, pastor? Because scripture proves so. Look at Genesis 2 verses I'll give you. 6-5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his earth was only evil continually. Okay? That is the beginning of judgment. He saw every thought, every inclination of man's heart is... It had reached tipping point. So God said, I need to judge. He judged. One year over... Eight people come out of the ark with the animals. Now you look at what God says when they come out. No. Sorry. Uh, 821. Not 621, 821. That gives me time for a sip. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although although man's imagination is evil from it you see nothing has changed inside and no one knows i am saved only by mercy and not by my good works nothing has changed nothing has changed you see when we start putting trust in our good works our prayer life changes we slacken church is option reading the bible is an option Asking the Lord, speak to me, is an option. Why? I'm good now. But that's not what Noah did when he came out. The first thing he did, he built an altar. Please note this. It was not the building of the ark that saved Noah. It was the getting into the ark that saved Noah. You can build the ark exactly according to Noah's dimensions, just given by God. But when judgment comes, if you are outside and the door is shut, you and I are doomed. That's why Peter will say, don't take a chance. Don't take a chance. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10, he will say, therefore, brethren, even more diligent to make your call and election sure, don't take this for granted. Don't take your salvation for granted. And Paul will say, the great Paul, the builder of churches. What will he say in First Corinthians chapter nine and twenty-seven? But I discipline my body, bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. I pushed everybody in. like the trains in Tokyo. You have to see the trains in Tokyo. I mean, you have to see them I in mean, YouTube. You don't have to travel. You can see everything on YouTube. The easiest way is to save your money. And be a tourist. And never fear coronavirus. You don't have to wear a mask before YouTube. You can watch any place in the world better than you actually go because professional cameramen have shot all these places which you will miss when you go. You know how the... Push The people, there are two guys who will be standing behind every door because the crowd is massive and when the crowd comes in last they will push them in and the sliding doors will close. That's what Paul is saying. I have pushed people into the kingdom but last I shouldn't be out. (laughs) Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus, Galatia, everybody pushed everybody in. But I need to be careful. I am not out. That's why we have to be careful. The children of Israel who danced when they came out of the Red Sea, how quickly they forgot everything and started complaining. How quickly we look back. How quickly we go back to our past. As soon as we get out of this hall, fellowship becomes gossip. Fellowship becomes about the world and not about the word. Actually, if you are really impacted by the word and it came for the word, when you go out, you will be sitting and talking about the word. But it went like duck on a backs of water. That's when you go out, you talk about the world. Because that was always there. So children of Israel in the, in the wilderness, they're not talking about the greatness of Yahweh. They were talking about the glories of Egypt. Forty years, Egypt, 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 Egypt. We all talk about our school days and college days. How come nobody remembers about church when God spoke to me? Don't you even have one day like that in your life? Scripture says, you built an ark and then he built an altar. Do you know when he, before he began building, the first thing God taught him, first lesson God taught him, it's interesting. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 2. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and and his female, and two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. The law will come how many hundreds of years later? But the first thing God teaches him, this is clean, this is unclean, this is right, this is wrong. You, this unclean, unclean is all connected with the holiness and nature of God. Even all of creation is divided into clean and unclean. Why? This is who I am. This is who I am. That is what the Jewish kids are told right from the beginning. You can eat this, you cannot eat this. You can eat this, why? Because that is how the nature of a God is. This is clean, this is unclean. You can do this, you cannot do this. Why? Because this is right, this is wrong. Why? Because our God is like this. And scripture says when he came out of the ark he offered what? What sacrifice? Clean animals. Was our sacrifice clean today? See it was the clean sacrifice that smelled good to God's nostrils. What was the nature of our sacrifice? The blood is there if any man confesses. Did you confess last night? Did you ask the Holy Spirit if I have forgotten anything, can you bring into my remembrance because I want to offer a clean sacrifice? The blood is there. The Spirit is there. The word is there. Bible says all these sanctified. So I too can, you too can offer a sacrifice which is clean. If you build an altar, if you build an altar, you too can offer a sacrifice. Right? If you look at the order in the book of Genesis, you don't have to go over there. Father is dead. So finally, Abraham moves into the promised land and encounters God. So scripture says, if I'm right, in Genesis twelve seven, he built an altar. And verse 8 will say, he pitched a tent. First what? Oh no, we pitch our tent first. I need a job, I need a job, I need a job. I need to buy a house, a house, a house. I need a wife, I need a wife, I need a wife. Where is your altar? When is it going to come? When I am retired. Man gets out of the ark after one year and ten, one month or twenty days, ten days. First thing he does is he builds an altar and offers a clean sacrifice. As what? Burnt offering! You know what a burnt offering is? The whole animal is offered. Wait a minute, Noah. What did you eat for one year and ten days? Vegetables. Dry fruits. It it won't matter to God if I take a one piece from that roasted meat. No, He gave it all to God. He gave it all to God. What He had in touched for one year, ten days. This is our problem. Israel forgot. What is happening? God didn't forget. Is there no water? Have uh, water. Is there no food? Have food. Is there no meat? Have meat. What is ticking? Tick tock, tick tock. Drip, 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 drip. Cup is flowing. One day the cup was full. God says, Everyone under 20 will die. Lord! Sorry, time up. You didn't know the cup was filling. Nobody knows. Nobody knows when your cup is filling. In, oh, not here, okay? In uh, Hyderabad also, certain areas, okay? But uh, let's say, The mountainous countries when you live, you have the mountain, you have the, you have the water tank at the top. If you are at the bottom end of the city, when they open the taps, when you open full pressure, it comes, right? You fill everything. Tank is filling very fast because pressure is high. But you are somewhere up here, pressure is less. Both tanks are filling. Some people, because of the pressure, go into wickedness faster. Some are going slower, but both tanks are filling. Both tanks are filling. That's why for 2,000 years, God's servants always preached about judgment. Because nothing else is more important in life. Not your career, not your job, not your family, nothing. You know, couldn't get taken. To take even his wife with him. Forget his children. Noah only managed his immediate family. He couldn't take his in-laws or his outlaws. He couldn't take his children. Their relatives. He could only take his sons and their wives. Nobody could take. 400 years of silence between the Gospels. Sorry, between the Old and the New Testament. And then Jesus comes. John comes six months later. Jesus comes and Jesus is preaching and doing only good. Only he never did one bad act. Everything he did was good. But why did they hate him? They hate him because of his message of judgment. That's why even the disciples left. Everywhere he said, repent! The same thing will happen to you. (sighs) Lord, why did this day? He says, You don't decide, depend. You also will die like this. They gnashed their teeth at him. Do you know what he told them? They were so angry with them. This is what he told them in Matthew 23. Therefore you are witnesses against yourself. You are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Philip then. Keep filling. Keep filling. The measure of your father's guilt. Keep filling. Just keep filling. Fill up. Keep filling. The forefathers had killed the prophets, but they killed Jesus and the apostles. And by 70 AD, nobody was left alive. Everybody was destroyed. The temple was raised to the ground and the city was burned down. He said keep filming. Keep filming. This is a constant theme in the Bible. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. Make peace today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Paul will say this in Thessalonians. 1st Thessalonians chapter 2. For you brethren became imitators of the churches of God. Which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen. Just as they did from the Judeans. He says you see what? The Jewish believers who got saved suffered under the Jews. You Gentiles who got saved suffered under the Gentiles. And who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. And have persecuted us and they do not please God Are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins. That's what governments do, no? Even the governments here do. Don't preach the gospel. Burning Bibles, stopping meetings and attacking. He says, you know what? They don't want you to preach the gospel so that people get saved. He says, you know what they are doing? They are filling their cup. They are filling their cup they're filling their cup. But through it all, we got an unbelievably, not only kind, merciful, righteous, because he's righteous, man ultimately has to come, but also, most important to us, First Peter 3.20, who formerly were disobedient when once the Divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. What long-suffering is that? Can you imagine standing in the railway queue for 10 minutes? Or in the supermarket for 5 minutes? Now everybody is standing because of the coronavirus. Desperate. But before that, I was impatient, at the, uh, sitting at the doctor, doctor hasn't come, 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 but we always carry something to read, so it's okay, we will read. Divine long 120 years. A hopefully righteous God, seeing a world going more and more and more and more wicked, and hardening their hearts against His matches spoken by one soul. Divine long-suffering. <coughs> The question is. What are we building? One man was building. Scripture says. Wand of things unseen. Noah built. The question is. What are we building? How are we building? There's an interesting thing. Long back I preached about this. But it's an interesting part. God told Noah. How to build. Measurements. Wood. Material. Another part. Genesis 6 and verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Okay, wood is given. Vessel is mentioned. Make rooms in the ark. That's also given. Cover it inside and outside with? Which? Inside and? Outside with? With? Inside and outside. Inside? and outside. When the judgment comes, rain comes, water shouldn't get in. So inside and outside. You see, outside everybody looks so nice. Your smiles look so kind. Are you? Inside? Forgiving? Inside? Mad? Inside? That's why God allows situations in our life to see what is inside comes out. And we suddenly realize there is only pitch outside, no pitch inside. If there is a pitch inside, it's like the Australian pitch. It's bouncing like crazy. And we who learn to play on slow pitches don't know how to handle it. So we say it flew off the handle. Yeah, it did. What is inside? Comes out. You know what? That ark, if there was no pitch inside, would not have survived judgment day. If there was no pitch inside. It is not just the outside. It is inside that matters. It is not the outside alone. Inside. We heard about work last Sunday. Integrity, ethics in your workspace is something that is inside. It's got, not something that is, it's got nothing to do with who your boss is. Joseph worked so well for his father because he loved his father and his father loved him and gave him a coat which the brothers did not get. But when you are sold as a slave, you got no coat and you got no salary. You are just a slave. Off the block. How did he work? The same way. Why? Because what was inside just came out, and then he was thrown into prison. Worse, now in chains, in a dungeon. How did he work? Because what was inside just came outside. That's what God is trying to do: changes from inside. The law, religion, only changes you from outside. It doesn't change you from inside. So the law religion will allow you to pick your favorite God. This is my favorite God. Go there at what? 7, 8 o'clock in the night before it closes. Here, take your flowers. Three times. Ping. Where are you going? To rob. What do you want? Blessings. If you think the thief does not pray, you are mistaken. He prays every day better than you. Not to be caught. There is more prayer happening in prison to get out, not for changed lives, than people outside. Why? There is no pitch inside. If there was pitch inside, your prayer request would be different. Pastor, this is my prayer. I have done my part. All I ask is that when I go into that exam hall and the question paper comes, help me to remember, oh Lord, I have done my part. That's what my father used to tell me when I was a young boy. I was the principal's son. I shouldn't see you studying before the exam, the day before the exam. Relax. Because if you haven't done what you are supposed to do all these days, you are not going to do in one night. Learn, keep changing, learn, keep changing. So God is dealing. That's why we have to look at all these things and all these things that are happening in our lives with a microscope and say, you know what? My God is my father. He's changing me in the image of Christ Jesus. And when these things happening, things are coming out and God is showing me it's coming out. Change inside. Put the picture inside. I don't just need to look good before people. I need to look good before God. That's why God was telling him to Samuel. Samuel, 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 Samuel. Samuel, With all your prophetic gifts, you went absolutely wrong. Man looks at the outside. Outside should be good. God looks at the inside. And people have changed it today. God looks only at the inside. Outside doesn't matter. They wear these shorts which dogs dragged in, flip-flops and come to church. Because God only looks at the inside. Who told you? Who told you that? All through the old covenant, the same God says, "Wash yourself, sanctify yourself, look good outside, look good inside. Who told you? What kind of a God is if he only looks inside? Everybody's inside and it doesn't bother about your outside. If he didn't bother about your outside, why did he go around healing everybody? Because he was bothered about your outside. Why did he go around feeding everybody? Because he's bothered about your outside. It is also bothered equally about your inside, more about your inside. And we are not bothered about our inside. Lives are continuing unchanged, untouched. We are at a very dangerous place. Very, very dangerous place. That's what happened to Abraham. Abraham, after all that had finally got into the promised land. God came, promises are given, built an altar, offered a sacrifice, came to Bethel, pitched a tent, and then says famine came. And when famine came, what was inside also came out. He was willing to sell his wife to save his life. And God says, this is who you are. This is who you are. That's why God puts his children through pressure so that what is inside can come out. And pressure did not decrease for Joseph, pressure was going increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. increasing. Genesis eight twenty scripture says I know built an altar to the Lord. And took off every clean animal. Of every clean bird. And offered burned offerings on the altar. What did he offer? What did he offer? Now we don't have to do any of those old covenant things. But we need to have an altar. We need to have an offering. The question is, is there fire? Today's. Women's World Cup Finals. To watch that, there will be fire. Some people are smiling, so already they have lit the fire. (laughs) How much fire is there, you know, for things of this world? It's okay. I'm not saying you should not pursue certain things in life which are good and right and appropriate. But is there any fire for God? That's what he told the last day's church. You're neither hot nor cold. Where is your fire? Where is your fire? How can you have a sacrifice without fire? Where is your fire? Where is your fire? Verse 21 says, God smelt. And God smelt a soothing aroma. Can God smell your sacrifice? Did God see you last night putting your flesh to death, crying out to him, Lord, kill this, burn this off me, Lord? He was more interested in that last night than all the songs we sang today. He says, it smells good because your flesh is burning. I want to kill it off. You see, fire will anyway come. God says everything will be burned by fire, but to, to escape it, he says you can ask for your now, fire now. He who comes after me, I'm not even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If you go through that fire today, you don't have to worry about the fire that is coming. What did God smell today in his house? God stands, Abraham stands and intercedes. Why, you know? Because he has inside knowledge. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Time is running out for Sodom and Gomorrah. Running out. Keep telling my wife. She just went outside. Keep telling us. She said, don't stop cut down, cut down every other thing. Don't stop interceding for our own children and these children because the more they hear and not surrender, the hearts are not getting better. It's getting harder, getting harder, and getting harder. And I promise you, if they finish like this, the day they have their freedom and go from the church to other places, they will not go to church. Because their hearts have been made God-proof. Because what have God does it. 120 years, Noah preached. End of it, everybody's heart was so hard and nobody wanted to get in. Ten plagues! Pharaoh's heart was so hard and even after the firstborn is dead, he still goes after them and he's destroyed. That's why it's the great man of God, who are it was second the name says the same sun that melts the wax, softens the wax, hardens the clay is the same sun. And these are real things. Is the plague a sign? Definitely. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok from the top ecleons of the society, top people in the government. Down to the lowest everybody's trust. TikTok. When do you know? One more light. Light, 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 got away. One more lie, you fall dead. Why? Cup was full. And where did you die? Right in the church, in the presence of the apostles while giving an offering. It was a lie. You died. Why? The cup was full. And you didn't know the cup was full. God knew. Apostles also didn't know. One more. Clicked. Got away. 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 Final click on pawn and you're done. God says my hand is off your life. Go that way. And before you know five years later you are ardent, bisexual, transgender, whatever you are because you took your hand off. That's what is happening in the world. It's not they did not hear. They heard. They heard. They heard. They heard. But one day the cup was full. God took his hand off. Calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. There's one thing I tell my my driver. We have four drivers. The calm one died. The three angry are still left. But I tell them, I tell them, you know what? Somebody will be cutting you across. You get angry, your BP is going up. And one day you will just fall dead on your feet. Why? Because you were angry and you did not even have time to repent. That's why the first thing God tells in the Bible is don't get angry. They will call it hypertension. We call it anger disease. So they will have how to manage hypertension. We will tell you how to manage anger. Angry, proud, angry, proud and right in the temple leprosy broke in his forehead. Who was that? Uzziah. Out of the temple secluded quarantined till he died. Today's word. From man and from God. Let me tell you children one thing I'll tell you. People die in so many different ways. So many different ways you can die. It's all okay. You can die in any way. It is okay. Except one way. Don't die in your sin. Every other way is okay. Accident, old age, disease, heart attack, lung failure, kidney failure, All that is irrelevant. Head chopped off, crucified. Gun shot, it doesn't matter. None of those things matter how you died. It's only one way. Don't die in your sins. I didn't say that. He said it. John 8. The Lord himself says, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will seek me and you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. I am here. I spoke. You rejected my word. I'm going away. You know what? You will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Why? Because you're going to die in your sins. To the thief on one side, you will be with me tonight. It's paradise. But you guys, Pharisees, you will die in your sins and you will not come where I am going. Three verses later, he thunders again. Look at that. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. Boy, if I had heard that, then I would have had a heart attack in itself. Imagine. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sinovah believed in God's judgment. Abraham believed in God's judgment. But when you live this compromised life, half in the world, half in the church, half in water, half in land, you don't know whether you're a platypus or a fish. You're not sure. You're a crocodile or a whale. You're not very sure because half the time you are in the water like the buffalo. And then you come out of the land and give milk. So you think your good works will serve you. And after that, you're going back into the water. So you're called a water buffalo. Are you living in water? No. You live in land. But what are you called? A water buffalo. And Lot was like that. The poor problem with that man is that not he was not righteous, but he had no clue about judgment. No clue about judgment. Totally unprepared for judgment. Absolutely unprepared for judgment. So that when he has two heavenly witnesses, angels from heaven personally sent to him, to his house to warn him. You know what scripture says in Genesis 19? So it came to pass when they brought them outside, he said, escape for your life. What are they saying? Escape for your life. Do not look back behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. What does scripture say? He... Lingered. Can it be more clear than this warning? Verse 26 again, his wife looked back. In verse 22, they will say, hurry, 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 run, run, run for your life. Scripture says his wife looked back. What happened? Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the city of the name of the city was called Zoar. And in 26, what happens? She looked back and became a, you know what? Cup had become full. She didn't know. She was not leaning on the everlasting arms of God. She was banking on the righteousness of her husband was turned to salt. A lot of people who were banking on somebody else's prayer to make you through. Somebody else's faith to get you through. That was Mrs. Lot. What does scripture say? She Looked back. One glance. Did you ever think one look can cost you eternity? But the problem was not one look. She had looked many times. This was the last look. That is when the cup was full. You know the Bible says to whom much is given. Much is Can we say that loudly to whom much is given? Much is given. Do you know she was a very privileged woman? Very privileged woman. In the entire world, there was only two righteous men. And one was her husband, the other was her uncle. Incredibly privileged woman. When there are only two righteous people on earth with no knowledge of God, no scripture, no books, no church, no testimony, no witness, nothing. And you are married to Lot, Bible calls him righteous, and Lot's uncle is Abraham. You are privileged. You are privileged. Scripture says in the second Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, the righteous, I want to look at that. I want to look at that. Second Peter. And delivered righteous Lord who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Who is this? Who is this? Please, who is this? So didn't she see the torment of his soul every day? And had no effect on you? Didn't you see the torment your righteous husband is going because of the unrighteousness all around? You mean you were unaffected? So I said she was a privileged woman. She saw his torment, but was not a partaker of his torment. And not only that, the angels came home. And the angels took them out. The angels warned, don't look back. But you see, Mrs. Lott only had pitch outside. She did not have pitch inside. She was not waterproof. She looked back. She looked back. and So much can be in her look. Let me explain to you from scripture. James chapter 4 and verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Is there anybody who friendly with the world? I'm not saying not go to the world. What preachers couldn't do for Years and years, coronavirus did it in one day. Malls are empty, theaters are empty, tourist spots are empty. Everybody used to tell me, Pastor James, you need to take a break. Don't preach like that. I will pay your ticket to go for a cruise. All cruises are lying empty. They are not allowing any cruise ship to dock. Everybody is saying Phuket, one cruise ship is saying, no, we will not allow you here. Another port, no, we will not allow you. Because why? In the cruise ship, what is that? Coronavirus. What God couldn't do with all His servants, He did it with a virus. Nobody wants to go anywhere now. the Lord send some more viruses, Lord. <sighs> no, Lord, I'm just joking. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And you know what friendship with the world is defined as? Go to John. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the Father, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the ah, lust of the eyes. Lust of the Last of the ice. Aankha ne pakad liya. Kisi ko, Mrs. Loth ko. Aankha ne pakad liya. Lust of the ice. So nice. Can I buy it? Do you have money? No. You want to buy it? Yes. What kind of answer is that? Can you afford it? No. Do you want it? Yes. There's something wrong with your eyes. Now read the first words once again. First words. No, 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 no. Say, Go back. Yes. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. Why? If anyone loves the world. Read it carefully. I can't hear you. This young children sitting in the front. Read it carefully. What does it say? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world. ah, This is where we go wrong. We don't read scripture properly. It does not say if anyone loves the world. You don't love God. You see, we are confusing our feeling for God as scripture. God does not say, he says, if you love the world, the love of the father is not in you. It is the love of the father that makes me overcomer. I don't have that power to overcome. The love that does not fail is the love of the father in him. These two loves cannot coexist. If I love the world, the love of the father goes out. I may still feel I'm loving God, but that love will take me nowhere behold what manner of love the father has shed on us it is the love of God inside me that prompts me to follow him it is not my love for God and this heart has space only for that one love the minute the love of the world comes the love of father goes out and I can promise you everyone sitting here loves God and you're confused because you love God it is okay it is not okay. It is not okay. We are not talking about your love for God. We are talking about God's love in you. Because we are confused. Yeah, I go shopping. I go to the mall. I watch this. I watch that. I go to the movies. And I love God. I love you. Hold me close. God says, oh, child, you don't know. I am nowhere there you 're mistaking your love for my love that 's what happened to lord 's wife in genesis nineteen and twenty six she reached to the very Gates of safety and look back. What does the Bible say? What does it say? She began. It's interesting. It's interesting. Next day morning, Abraham looked. Whole area is burnt. Smoke is rising. Lord's wife was not burnt. She was made into a signpost. you and I had been living in that day at least for the first few months and years you could see a cleared statue of a woman looking back. Probably hands like this because at that moment the husband left, the daughter left. Stuck, looking back. She was not burned. She was not consumed. She was not ashes. She became a pillar. Because God says for all of eternity, it will be returned. You are a sign to people not to look back at the life you have left. Move on. Move on with God. Move on with God. Now read again. She looked back and became pillar of... Oh, if salt has lost its savor. You're good for nothing. Stand there for all eternity, Mrs. Lot. You are a salt or pillar that has lost its savor. Good for nothing. Understand? Eternity matters. These are all temporal things. All temporal things irrelevant. Without eternity. Even life is irrelevant. She became a sign past. So So let me ask you this question. What do you see? Past? Or future? Oh, I wish. What do you wish? What do you see? What do you see? What you have left or where you are going? What do you see? Lord's wife looked back. Children of Israel looked back. What do you see? Hanging on the cross. Last thing. He's not looking back. He's looking forward. Death is coming. One Take, about to die. Looking forward. Father, into thy hands, I commit myself. Looking forward. Stone, bang, bang. Death is coming. Looking forward, I see the heavens open and one like the Son of Man standing on the right hand side. What do you see? Oh, I wish my past. Nobody cares for me. What do you see? of the past? or oh, hope of glory. Time has come for me to put away this tabernacle. Who's that? Peter. Why? I'm going to get a better one. Here there is arthritis, knee's ache, bodies ache. I struggle now to preach but, oh Lord, something better is coming. What does Paul say? I see the crown of righteousness. What do you see? It is not bad per se to look back. If you see your sins and you see the incredible mercy of God and then offer your life as a living sacrifice, that's what Noah does. That's what he sees. Lord, I look around. One year ago, this land was full. One year later, nobody, Lord, why did I come through? That's what happens finally when Wuhan is open to the world. People will look around. Boy, this city was full. It was jammed with people and activity. Where are all gone. Why did I come through, Lord? It's good to look back. Sometimes you don't have to see. Lord, 120 years I labored to build the ark. Are you happy Noah now? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, when you were woken up early in the morning and told by your mother, sit, study, today when your results came, are you happy? Yes, I am happy. When your pastor shouted at you and screamed at you for 10 years and if Jesus comes today and you are safe, will you be happy? Tift you on that narrow road. Keep short accounts with God. Don't carry forward your 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 account. Don't carry forward yesterday's balance. Make peace, make peace, make peace. Looking back is good. You look back with your right eyes. One look finished her. But we don't realize little things actually show the state of one's heart. Many, many years ago, many, many years ago, when her husband, Mr. Lot, was given the chance by his righteous uncle to choose, he took a look forward and chose. Sodom. Because he thought, success man, success, I'm making the right decisions. Years later, his wife looked back and perished. How many men? One look, one puff, one sip. Small. That is. That's why you have to be in ministry to hear sorrows of people one man it's a man now he says you know where I am today Why I am a miserable, miserable slave to sin. You know why? Because he says, many, many, many years ago in my house, you know what happened? I was just going through some books. And among the books of my father, I saw a pornographic book. I was just a child. I opened and looked. My life has never been the same again. One look. Destroyed that man. No parents, men drink and leave it there. And they're very smart also. Come here, Chotu, come here, come here, come here, come here. Paste some brandy. <laughs> they think being cool, 50 years later, that fellow is now coming home like this because one drop started him on a journey. Wife is beaten, children are howling. One puff, one sip, one look have destroyed countless lives. Come out, says God. Do not be partakers. Sins of Babylon. You want to be cool? One day you will be declared a fool, I'm telling you. You choose to be a fool for Christ Jesus' sake today. It does not matter. One day God will declare you are cool. That's what I said, what years of preaching around the world couldn't do. One virus did. One little virus. Malls are empty. Tourist spots are empty. Cruise ships are empty. Airlines are crashing. One airline already grounded because gone into debt. Fly by in UK. You and I don't have to die in our sins. Don't have to. I wish God had preserved Lord's wife till today. Oh boy, how many messages would have been preached around the world without her statue. I'm sure it was like this. If you saw Lord's wife, eyes wide open. You know what? You could go and blow the ash of her eyes. Frozen. Assault. Frozen assault. That's not how you're supposed to die. That's not how you're supposed to die. No old man, Jacob. Old man, he hears. Joseph is alive. He is king in Egypt. He has sent all the gods. Still hesitating. Should I go or should I not go? He goes. To ask God, Lord, should I go? Listen to what God tells Jacob. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt. That's, the, that's how you should go to the world. Lord, should I go to the mall? Go. Do not fear to go to the mall. I am coming with you. Boy, you don't have to worry. You think our God doesn't go to the mall, then he doesn't go to the prison too. He went to Potiphar's house as a slave along with Jesus, along with Joseph because scripture says God was with him. When he was thrown into the prison, God went with him into prison because scripture says God was with him. When Daniel's three friends were thrown into the fire, he went into the fire with him. When he was, Paul and Silas were in the prison, he was there with him in the prison. If he sends you to the mall, he will come with you. You don't have to worry about shopping or picnic or anything. Sure. Go, for I will make you a great nation. Where are you going, Jacob? I am going down. I am not going up. I am going. When you go to the world, you are always going down. And I will also surely bring you up again. What did he say? What did he say? Joseph will close your eyes. Who will close your eyes? How many sons did he have? How many sons did he have? Who will close your eyes? The son in whom my spirit lives. He will close your eyes. He will close your eyes. Don't worry. He didn't say Reuben will close your eyes. He's the eldest. Simeon he will close your Joseph will close your eyes. That's how you and I should die. Jesus, Yeshua will close your eyes. You know, my father had five children. He still has five children. Three sons and two daughters. He died in the year 1994. He was admitted into the ICU on December 30th of 1993. He had five children, of which two were doctors. You know who was with him the last 12 days? Because at that time, even my sister was not saved. One son who was saved alone was with him. Not even... My mother was there with him. She came two days before he died. You know why? Because I was one son who knew Christ. I sat with him 11 days, read to him, spoke to him, sang to him, prayed with him. And when he was dying, I'm telling you, it was my presence that closed his eyes. The doctor didn't close his eyes. The engineer didn't close his eyes. Because God wanted him to know him before he died. Nobody has to die unsaved, because He died. Nobody has to die in their sins, because He died for our sins. Nobody has to die, live in their sins, because He not only died for our sins, because His name is Yeshua, He will deliver us from our sins, His name is also Emmanuel, He's God with us. I can precisely remember the moment he was dying. I was—I looked at him and I knew he was dying. I knew he was going. And my mom, I said, Amma, just look at him, let me run for the nurse. And as I was running around the corridor, the anointing of God hit me. And I was laughing when I reached the nurse's room because I knew he had made it. Nobody has to die. In their sins. Nobody. And ultimately you will realize. <clears throat> when death comes. Only one thing matters. Do you know Jesus? It's the only thing that. Not, no other question matters. Nothing else matters. Do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. So We have to be careful where we are looking. The little little things. The spirit of God that convicts us. The spirit of God he says change direction, change direction, change direction. And I am with you. I will help you. Come on change direction. Make peace. Live in peace. You don't need a Corona virus for that. All you need is this. Because the virus will go. After some time it will disappear. Summer is already here. Virus will die. And then. Then. What happens? We go back to default setting. Praise. Worship. Seeking God should be our default setting. Right? That's why scripture says after one year and ten days when he came out and everybody came out I like it. All the animals are coming out two by two two by two, two by two, two by two. You come here. You come here. Seven unclean he had pairs of the same animal. Six were allowed to go. Two here. You 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 come here. Do you know 14 animals that came through the judgment, when they came out, they died. You know that? 14 animals that came, male and female, that came out of judgment, when they came out, they died. figure it out. I'm not explaining to you what it means. Go figure it out. I'll give you the clue. Paul will say I want to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Shall we stand? Not that I'm tired, but time is running out. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That anyone, doesn't matter what is the condition of your soul, anyone who believes in Him shall not. It's a promise sealed by the hand of God. So the title of today's message is Plague, Panic, promise peace. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Do not fear. Do what you have to do. Do not fear. Keep short accounts with God. Every day see balance sheet tallies. Shall we pray? Father, we just come to you, Lord. It's 12 midday. We stand in your house. We stand before you. It's been a long word. Our bodies may be tired. But I pray our souls are not weary. I pray there is a quickening in our inner man. To go back to God. To go back to the altar. And to offer him. The sacrifice of praise. Praise. To offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Once again. Cleansed by the blood. Sanctified by the word. Consecrated by the spirit. Holy. Acceptable in thy sight. I pray for many today. When they open their word and read. They will read with new eyes. They will start seeing the good. The acceptable. The perfect will of God. I pray father. For many, let today be a new beginning. Let them not look back, but them look forward, like you set their face like a flint towards Jerusalem. No turning back. Going on with Christ. Help us to read the signs correctly. And not be terrified, but be excited. Because you said, when these things happen, lift up your heads. Because your redemption is near. We stand in your house, and by faith we lift up our heads. And we say, Lord, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Jesus. Let no one's cup be full, Lord. Let no one die unrepentant. Let no one die outside the gates of safety. For Christ has died for everyone. Let there be mercy, Lord. Mercy, mercy. Our young ones, Lord. Young people. They're confusing the vigor of youth. For time given. But your word says, serve your creator in the days of your youth. Yes, follow your eyes. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, follow your heart, but God will bring to judgment everything. So I pray our young ones will choose right. With their heart and with their eyes. And will be men and women set apart for the glory of God. A peculiar generation. Older ones, us too Lord. Strengthen our feeble knees that we may also lift our feeble hands and walk straight forward with you. And our praise and prayer life will never stop. It will always rise before you and be a sweet-smelling aroma in your nostrils, O Lord. For we are given over to your word and to prayer, O God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Believing we are sanctified by the word and by your blood and by your spirit, we lift up holy hands in the house of God and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name and we declare, oh God, in your house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, and Amen, and Amen.